Good morning. I'm Karen Sarlo. Good morning. I'm Kelly Sarlo, and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlos. You're surprising me today? <laughs> um, yeah, I think so. All right. I, uh, we seem to have a, a good flow, and I just pull something out of my uh, butt. and. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> well, yeah, it's just expression. I was going to say, pull okay. something out of my ass. But, um, Go ahead. Okay. Um, I, one of the things that comes to my mind right off the bat, Kelly, is... Um, talking to parents who have lost children. Oh, okay. And yeah, not a light, easy topic this morning, but I think it's a good one because um, when we've lost somebody, the first thing, I think one of the hardest things is when you first get up in the morning and when you go to bed at night. Mm -hmm. And so our show is Coffee with the Sarlows first thing in the morning. And um, I just, I think about all of the, the um, uh, unfinished business and the questions that parents have when they come to see us as mediums um, that can't be answered by anybody else. Mm -hmm. um, how unique it is to be able to connect with them again. Mm -hmm. And um, that it's, you know, we've said this before, that it's, it's not the same as therapy um, because a therapist, unless they're a medium, um, can't give them these direct answers, and it does something different. Mm -hmm. So right off the bat, I don't. I I want to clarify as we kind of move into these stories, and and just share different experiences that both of us have had with parents who've lost children, and children of all ages. I don't just mean young kids, teenagers, adults. Um, you At any age when the parent outlives the yeah. their child. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me, and the the um, I'll call it the intense type of grief that a parent feels at those different ages as well. Mm -hmm. What happens when a parent loses a child or a baby, a stillborn, a miscarriage of an abortion versus like all those different phases of being, I'll say a somewhat of a parent or a parent. And I say somewhat because some people birth a child and don't raise them. Mm -hmm. um, and it can give them up for adoption or have to leave them with somebody um, and, and well, we know there's all different types of stories and some parents are in the marriage and don't raise their own children. Mm -hmm. Um, they let a spouse do it while they still are part of the family unit in body and financially, but they don't, um, I'll say that they're not emotionally part of the child's life or, or mm -hmm. very little and the different or abuse. And so the different things that parents go through when they lose their children. Mm -hmm. So that was, that's my, that's my choice of topics today. Okay, so where do you want to start? I'm going to start by telling a story. Okay. And you can jump in and ask questions, and then um, I'm going to go and ask you if you want to share yeah. one. Yeah, sure. Um, but you know what? I don't want to stress you by making you think ahead either. So if no, you no, don't... I'm just going to listen. Yeah? Okay, yeah. good. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love what you just said about you're just going to listen instead of thinking of your own stuff um, while I'm talking. Well, then I'm not listening. That's right. But a lot of people don't get that mm -hmm. in relationships. Okay. So thank you. Mm -hmm, you're welcome. All right. Well, the, 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 one of the first stories that, I, that comes to my mind, well, you know there's a few of them for me in particular, but um, one is a, a mom that came to see me and her uh, adult son had passed away. And um, she came just to get some closure, just to understand why he passed and what had happened since he'd passed. 
So, and those are two separate things a lot of parents come for. And the first, one of the first things he said to her as after she gave permission for her session was that his brother had greeted him when he passed. And she looked at me and said, what? And I said, he says that his brother greeted him. And she said, his brother? And I said, yes. And she said, oh my God, Karen, he didn't know he had a brother. Mm. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, I said, I get a very, well, she goes, you go on and you tell me. (laughs) You tell me. And I said, well, I said, okay. So I just listened to her oldest son um, who had lived with her and go ahead. Is it okay? Yeah. Okay. Cause I kind of want to clarify. Um, yeah. cause we talk a lot about people who ask disrespectful questions Oh, and yes. I, I think it's important to point out how exciting that question was Yeah, and that it wasn't probably coming from a place of testing. Yeah. Um, but excitement of, Oh yes. my God, he didn't know. Go on. Tell, tell, me. tell me. I'm so excited for you to, to continue getting this. And I can feel that excitement, yeah. which means that I'm happy. Yeah. And that there's a flow of energy between her two sons and her and I to give her all the information and how easily it can come for, for me. Yeah. Versus when somebody says, uh, oh, tell me with a testing attitude yeah. and I feel a block of energy mm-hmm. and I feel str- I feel a struggle in trying to get the information. Because she's, even though, she, well, that's I, I love what you've just done. Because hopefully what it does for people is understand that there's a willingness to receive information and they're, they're versus the opposite of testing it, disbelieving and make, make me prove it to you. It's the intention with which you ask. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And the, the yeah, the intention and the emotion. So you tell me. Yeah, you tell me because she wants to hear this. Um, so anyway, her, her oldest son said that... Um, when he crossed over, that he that he was met by his brother, that he was a child, he was a baby, and that um, and I asked her if that was correct. Had she lost a, a, a male baby? And she said yes. And I said, um, and it was quite early. It was within like the first week of birth, mm. and uh, which I've never experienced. So um, my emotions at that point for her are overwhelming. I, I'm I'm in tears because yeah. I think of that um, beautiful, beautiful love for her and her baby and how she's reconnecting. So my, my tears are not, maybe people assume they were of sadness, <laughs> but they weren't, they were of joy. Mm-hmm. Because here's this mom getting to connect with her child. Now, her oldest son is in his 20s when he passes. And this is, she had the first son, the first baby before he was born. So I asked her, I said, he's telling me this was about 25 years. She said, that's right. He would be 25 years old if he had survived. So the, the, the proving it comes easily. She doesn't have to demand proof. Um, the spirit world offers it in that situation where some other people might think, well, if I just say prove it, why don't I get it too? Why is it harder? And as we said, because of the emotion and the intention. So anyway, um, she, she was thrilled. Uh, th- this isn't, I'll say, a great big long story in that there are piles of details. I don't remember them all. She's just given me permission to share that story because of the significance of that she had two sons who have passed over. She has no other children. Um, she feels she's not married anymore. She's, I'll say, single and still open to family 
and to friends and co-workers and strangers and everybody loving her because she's come to realize that the her her family by birth um, has passed over and she has she's I'll say she feels she's waiting to be with them again Mm -hmm. however that day she got to she got to see that she doesn't have to wait anymore and so she had time to to speak to both of her sons and that we found each other like are we not fixated on that like how exciting for two brothers to be like whoa hey yeah and enjoy enjoy each other and this is what came through in the session was her both I'll say both sons excitement but she got to hear from her oldest son first because that was the one she came to connect with and he was the one that brought through so she had no idea when she came that she was going to get to talk to her son who had passed it hadn't dawned on her. She had forgotten somewhat, I'll say. Yeah. I don't think you ever forget a child you've lost. But she was in so much grief over losing her 20-year-old son that it overshadowed the memory of the first child temporarily, I'll say. I also think, and just from experience, um, when we when we sit in sessions and we ask people, um, I've got your your grandfather here and they're like oh well no like he passed a long time ago mm-hmm. and it's like well no no it doesn't matter when they passed we mm-hmm. still pick up on their energy same mm-hmm. goes for children or infants who pass very early mm-hmm. just because they didn't quote unquote have a life mm-hmm. um the way most humans would expect um they still have messages they can still communicate with you the same way someone who's lived well into their 90s right yeah and I, I like you're saying it, it's not necessarily that they forget, but I think a lot of people don't understand um, how they come through and in what capacity. Yeah. And, and some people, I know I've said, oh, I have your grandfather here today. Oh, no, no, I didn't know him. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's sometimes it's like I'm just giving another example, but they think that if they didn't know them. <laughs> but he's dead, right? Yeah, or here's another one. Yes. And I say, well, he is dead. Yes, he is. And I look at them and go, well, then I'm talking to him. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, no, no, I didn't like him. And it's like, I didn't get along with him. And it's like, no, you don't understand. I'm not asking you that. I'm saying that any, you and I are agreeing here. I'm just giving more examples. Yeah, yeah. That some people think that if they don't know them, they didn't like them. Yeah. Uh, they didn't need them. They died before. That they can't connect to any of these spirits. Or um, I had an abortion, so therefore I can't. Or I had a miscarriage, therefore I can't. Yeah. So, um, or someone suicided, therefore I can't. Because, and I'll say... Depending I, on the religion. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, it depends on sometimes. My understanding is that some people in different religious backgrounds have certain beliefs. So certain cultures think that babies are in a limbo. Um, some think that if you... Unless sui- they're baptized yes right yes and some because you and i have clients all over the world and we have them in every culture so we get to learn that it doesn't matter (laughs) i find this so interesting kelly because you i mean you know i was raised catholic so the catholicism had certain beliefs that they taught their followers um pardon me parishioners and so it would be that they believe there's a limbo a hell a purgatory, mm-hmm. like all of these different stations, I'll, I'll say, or locations, yeah. and heaven being another location, so that you would have locations. And then 
when you keep doing this and you talk to people of different cultures and you realize they don't have any of these beliefs and yet they're all talking to each other. That's okay. But we've also had natives come in who have yes. said, um, I, do I have to wait a year? Because there's yes. certain, pardon, pardon me if I'm not getting it correct, but they have a certain time frame in which you're allowed to attempt to that's, connect with the dead. It, yes. Right? Or the deceased. Yes. And I don't know if that's all Native Americans that do. I just know that not all of them do, just like not all Catholics yeah, believe no, the same thing. I understand. Um, no, yet, like not everybody of, of any faith all believe the same thing. And I, I think you and I are sometimes caught off guard mm-hmm. when we get clients calling and asking, do I have to wait a year? And we're thinking, where is this coming from? Where, oh, I had to learn that. Where yeah. is this thought coming from? Yeah, yeah, we have to ask that question. Why do you believe you have to wait a year? Well, my culture says yeah. we ha- you have to wait a year that the spirit is still traveling, doing its journey. And it's like, well, if they've got, you know, if, they, if their name is George and they died at 52 of an aneurysm um, and he had a sore left foot because he had diabetes, then George is here. Yeah, that's my dad. Well, he's standing here. So yeah, but, and I think we've also said like mm-hmm. you can wait a year and respect your culture. If yes, that's, if that's where you need to be, um, yeah. because they'll always come back. They'll always come through for you. Yes, um, or you can come as soon as you'd like. Yeah, and and that it's this. I think it's beautiful the way that you're saying this this morning. Um, that we're respectful of all of the different cultures, and well, I'm gonna just put it out there: not all cultures are respectful of us. And that we still choose to be respectful of them. Another, another story of a of, um, parent. Um, there's so many, but one of them that comes to me is, um, um, and I don't remember, like, I'll never get the names all right, and I don't want to. We, we always change names. Which 1940s name would you like to use this time? <laughs> Mark. Okay. I think Mark has gone through the centuries. Okay. <laughs> um, at least 2014. <laughs> so I'm going to use Mark. But Mark is a four-year-old boy, and his his mom called. This was years and years and years ago now. I remember. Yeah. So, and it's one of the ones that has st- stayed with me the most, is the most endearing to me. Um, um, Mark's mom called Joan. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> and um, Joan called because Mark had um, cancer, mm-hmm. and he, at four years old, uh, he'd had it since I think he was born, but that it really presented itself I think around the age of one, and at four years old he was seriously ill and was not expected to live much longer. Yep. Um, this was from sick kids in Toronto, and I don't I remember if they lived in Toronto exactly or in the surrounding area down in southern Ontario. Um, but she called um, for help. She didn't basically didn't know what to do to help him. The doctors were doing what they could. So th- this isn't a call for me to replace medical care. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a call for comfort. This is a call for connectivity or connection. Um, he's not verbal anymore. And, oh, no, at the beginning, pardon me, at the beginning when she first called, he was verbal, and he was able to go in and out. He was able to move around and speak. And then he would have times where he would have uh, chemo treatments and stuff where he where he wasn't. Um, so this went on for years that I was able to speak to her and Mark. And during that period of time, be able to relate to, relay to her some of the things when he was nonverbal that he needed. Um, but for her to also establish a connection with his spirit 
so that as he was dying and passed over, that she wanted to be able to continue the connection. Mm -hmm. And I don't think anybody thinks that you need a medium to do that Mm -hmm. because a mother can love her child before, during, and after without anybody's help. Mm -hmm. That is not what I'm trying to point out here is that but what she was looking for was to connect with his spirit so that she could actually get feedback from him when he was no longer able to. And I remember one day um, she called and he was um, at home and he had a fever. And uh, that time she was married to his dad and they were taking care of him. And he would tell her little things because at this point he was in such a fever that he was not conscious all the time. Uh, he would tell her which bed he wanted to lay in in the house mm-hmm. and they would pick him up and move him. Sometimes he wanted to be in their bed. Sometimes he wanted to be in his own bed. Of course. Yeah. And I think about that as a kid, that yeah. sometimes you want to be in mom and dad's bed. Yeah. But then sometimes you do, you want your own bed back. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, and, and this was really neat because sometimes he'd want the coolness of sheets. Mm-hmm. So he would he would ask her to move him into a different bed because the sheets were going to be cooler Mm-hmm. He had a dog, so sometimes he wanted the dog with him, and sometimes he didn't because the dog would give him too much heat. Yeah. Uh, there'd be like he'd throw too much energy. Um, he also had favorite stuffed toys, and now I'm in North Bay and she's in Toronto. I've never met these people, other than over the phone. Um, but he would describe which of his stuffed toys he would want, and he had blankets, and I think or blankie. <laughs> some people call them a blankie or yeah, a nana yeah like there's all these different terms for your favorite blanket and your favorite stuffed toy and stuff like that and he now he wanted certain ones at different times and yeah, there was a, a, a tiger that he had a stuffed tiger he had a stuffed dog I think it was a stuffed rabbit and a bear like I think I'm remember if I'm remembering all that right and there's probably other ones I don't remember all of this and um, he would let her know what he wanted. If he wanted his pajamas on, he he was diapered, um, um, and he would um, he would give her messages, and then he would give her little signs to let her know that they were accurate, so that I would, what I was telling her was was correct. And sometimes she would be able to tell me because she would put the stuffed animals out on the bed, the th- two or three that I had mentioned or whatever. And when he woke up, she would wait and see which one he would pick. And if I had said the tiger, she would wait to see if he grabbed the tiger and um, if he chose it when he woke up. And then she would let me know if I was right, if the tiger was right. So that we would, yeah, she, she was phenomenal for me because her goal above all wasn't to make me prove anything. Her goal above all was to love her son and was to meet his needs. And eventually what happened during the sessions was she figured out how to meet her own. So he would say things like, mom, you need to sleep. Mom, you need to get in your own bed. Get out of here. He like his spirit would say things to her. Mom, you need to go for tea with your friends. Um, You and dad need to get out tonight. Um, I'm going to be okay. I'm not dying tonight. You need to get out. So and he he would keep that promise. He didn't die that night. They would be able to go out together. That's pretty terrifying on your part. Yeah. Oh, that's why I say she was huge. This family was huge for me because I'm terrified to say, you go out with your husband, he's not going to die tonight. And I might not hear from her for six more months before I find out that he didn't die. (laughs) 
like, you know, like people might hear this and think, oh my God, Uh how how do you say that? What if he died? And that you have to wait six months or another year before she calls back to find out the tiger was right, to find out he didn't die, that they'd been going out for dinner, that they, or, you know, whatever, that they were doing these different things and that they got a little bit of their life back. And I'll say a little bit, because if you have a four-year-old that's dying, you get bits. Mm-hmm. I don't think you get chunks at that point. So it was, um, it's to give pieces. And, and, I, and I think, because and I, I, I can only feel what she's feeling empathically, how important it is when you can even get a piece. And that other people might go out to the grocery store without their children or run an errand, or go out with their friends, or go hunting or something for a weekend, and never think about having to wonder if when you come back, your child's going to be alive or not. Mm-hmm. So how do you say to your buddies, I'm going to go hunting for the weekend, um, not ever not ever knowing? Mm-hmm. And I think that there are parents that know this, and there are those that don't. And one of the purposes of doing this show is for parents who don't, to be able to sit back and look around them and maybe identify that if they have friends that are going through this, that they can approach that a little differently. Mm-hmm. That they can ask them, what do you need to be able to go hunting? Or if it's uh, mm-hmm. a parent. Yeah. Because it's that, I'll say the sandwich generation, right? Where yes, you're taking care of your kids and your parents. Yes. So maybe they do say yes to the camping trip knowing that their mom yeah. has been hospitalized and might pass. Yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I got a call from her. So each, each about every, I think nine months to a year, yep. if, if I can remember correctly, I want to say around a year, um, I would get a call, call from her. Um, around Mother's Day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and his birthday. She picked different dates, I think. Anyway, I remember one day she, she called and she said, okay, Karen, this is it. And I just thought, oh, no. And she said, this is it. She said, I'm calling from sick kids in Toronto. I'm calling from the hospital room. The physicians and the nurses and all of the staff and his family and his friends are here. And I said, okay. And she said, you're on speakerphone. Mm. And I said, okay. And um, I said, that, 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 that's good, Joan. I said, um, he's ready to go. So um, she said, well, can, can you help us through this? And I said, I would love to. Um, meaning that I would love to, to help all of them and to help his spirit. And for me to be part of something that is so special, that is to me what you would call a sacred, sacred, because I think the word sacred is overused. Mm -hmm. And I think the word special is overused. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, so anyway, what he, what we went through, and it was, it was only about 20 minutes. Um, was that he was, I always establish a connection first. So I was able to say, is this what he's wearing? Is this, you know, because you might think if he's in a hospital bed, he's wearing a hospital gown, but he's not. He's in his own pajamas. Mm -hmm. And at this point, and then they're, you know, he's got a fever. Are they putting blankets on? Are they taking them off? Um, I said that they had just given him an injection of something and the doctor in the room had confirmed that um, to keep him, um, I'll say, peaceful because he could be in tremendous amounts of pain. And at this point, I think he's around seven years old and thinking that it's around three years that have passed. Um, And this has gone on for about five years that we have connected. And he said, as he he said that he was ready to pass. 
Um, and he started talking about that his grandmother was on the other side and that he could see her. And so Joan affirmed for me that he had a grandmother who had passed away. And he, she asked me to describe what she looked like. And I, I did. She had blonde hair. Remember this, not gray. Some people think, oh, gray. Oh, yeah, of course. Isn't every grandmother gray haired? Um, and no, not mine. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. So um, she had blonde hair and she was she was describing what she was doing, that she was holding him on the other side, that she already had him, that she already had, I'll call it his body. And I, I, and people might stop right there and go, what? What do you mean his body? Well, I'm saying that on purpose because I'm describing her body and she doesn't have it either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> her body is buried somewhere or cremated, but I'm still describing her hair and the way her body looked on earth. So I'm also describing his and his is on earth. So I'm describing a body that's on earth and one that has passed so that Joan can understand and feel the connection that his spirit leaves. So did his mother's. But if they want to remember their old bodies, they can to give us proof. But holding his body means that she's loving him. Mm-hmm. So Joan says to me, what do you mean my, my mom's or his grandmother? I can't remember whose mother it was. But what do you mean his grandmother is holding his body? His body's here on the bed. And I said, well, he's trying to comfort you. He's trying to explain it in terms that you could understand. If he says that she's loving him, you'll love to hear that. But you'll, you won't be able to understand how. Mm-hmm. Because in our space here on earth, we think of love as sex or as... Um, hugging or as yeah as doing something or touching or whatever right and so we have certain beliefs around what things look like those things are in a box here and so she was trying to say it in terms of the box that we're familiar with um anyway then he said he uh, mark said to his mom i have to fart and excellent um well i think it was just and she said what and you could kind of hear a little bit of giggles from the staff in the room. And I said, well, he's, and I'm thinking at this point, boy, if he doesn't fart and out loud, <laughs> I'm going to look ridiculous. And he farted. Mm-hmm. And it was like the little machine gun fart. <laughs> like it just rumbled. Yeah. And and, um, and I, I was so grateful for that kind of a fart mm-hmm. <laughs> because it was out loud. It was long enough that everybody in the room heard it. it and I'll say Mark did a great job of passing gas <laughs> um, on my behalf mm-hmm. <laughs> because at this point he's trusting me to get through a message to his family. Yeah. And I'll say his family because the staff and the doctors and the nurses are his family. And that's how he sees it, to give them all comfort. Because sometimes we think comfort is for the parents or for the, I'll say, the blood family or the friends. But it's for... I think any nurse who's listening will understand or any doctor. Yeah, they're family. Yeah. This is family. And I think it's important to say because sometimes when we're at a hospital and someone we love does pass, we blame the doctors, we blame the nurses and the ambulance attendants, the the whoever, the technician, the lab tech, like what whatever for a mistake, forgetting that these people feel part of this person's family, uh, care deeply, mm-hmm. and and maybe there is the odd professional that doesn't care. Let's throw that out there. Um, then then maybe okay that somebody I'll say on a rare occasion has the right to be to to be angry about that 
but mistakes truly can really truly are mistakes Mm -hmm. because if it's worth intention then it is illegal Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it is against the law that would bring in a court system Mm -hmm. that would bring in jail sentences so if this person isn't going to jail because they've had the intention to kill your your loved one then it is a mistake so anyway back to the fart so he he has a good show (laughs) back to the fart (laughs) well i just think that the fart says a lot oh yeah i'm just teasing yeah and and it it's um there was laughter because it was a release of stress Mm -hmm. it it, it's a it's a moment for everybody to giggle as this seven-year-old little boy is leaving earth and there is an incredible amount of pain for all present um, but also that they're all looking for his relief mm-hmm. and, and, I, and in the release, they're looking for his relief and that that is a very difficult moment because that's when sadness and grieving, well, they've been grieving for years, but, um, where it's, it, it, it flips a bit of a switch at that moment. Mm-hmm. And so he said, well, I'm going to, oh, he said, I have a fever. And, um, he was explaining, um, the medication they gave and then he, oh, his mom decided, I can't remember if she was the one that laid on the bed beside him and put her hand around his hand. And he said, tell mom I can feel her behind me and that I can feel her hand around my hand, not through his fingers, but around my hand, not on his shoulder, yeah. not around his shoulders or on his head. And she said, Karen, and you've got all these staff in the hospital witness to this. And she said, Karen, I, I'm spooning him and I've got my hand around his hand. So again, Joan is taking time in her grief. And I mean that. Mm-hmm. She is taking time in her grief to still bother to give me the affirmation that I'm correct and that we're making a connection. And I think, go ahead. I was just going to say that's a tremendous amount of love. Yes. And to have included you in the family. Yes. Right. So she she knows after all these years that you're you're hurting too. I remember you crying after he yeah. after he passed. Yeah. Um, taking time to honor you and everything that you did for him and for her. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, because you know, you're a mom. Mm-hmm. You're a mom for Parker. Mm-hmm. And I'm a mom for you and Andrew. And you just, I think that when you have these gifts, sometimes people don't see you as the mom. Well, no. They don't see you. They need you to do your job. And that's okay. I can do my job. It's just like we need the doctor not to be a dad or a mom either. Or the nurse. But sometimes we do because that means they're compassionate. That means that you get everything. You get 100% instead of the 50% professional you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, your turn. No, I oh. I was actually waiting for the story after he passed. Oh my God, I forgot. Okay, sorry, Kelly. Thank you. So then he he said that he was passing, and he did. Um, very very. Well, I'll say very quickly at that point when he said he was leaving, he did. He left, and I I don't remember exactly what he said at that moment, but he told his mom that she would see balloons released. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, is it, is that correct? Yeah. 
There's something about a bike too. Oh, the bike comes later. Oh, I okay. wrote it down. So they he, that she would see balloons released, and I said, so I I said, Joan, there's some significance to multicolored balloons. Um, oh, in rain, I said uh, pouring rain. That was it. And I said, but I I don't know what he's not explaining it to me. And she said, oh, you can't give any more details. And I said, no, I don't have any more details. I said, I, I have no idea. And so. It was just a short time after that, maybe a few hours, that she called me back that day. And she said, um, do you remember you said pouring rain and uh, multicolored balloons being released? And I said, yes, I do. And she said, um, when I left the hospital, she said, first of all, it was a, it was about an, a, like a couple of hours later because they, they wanted to give him a bath or something. I can't remember and mm-hmm. clean up the, his room and visit with the staff because they were like their friends, their family. And so it was a few hours later, and she said when they left the hospital, it was pouring rain. And when they walked out of Sick Kids, she said there was, uh, she was standing like, uh, and I don't know Sick Kids in Toronto, but she was standing under something at the at one of the entrances. I don't know. Um, but she said she was standing there because it was pouring rain out. And um, she looked across the street. Uh, um, there was grass, and there was a big tent set up. And under the tent, there were a lot of people. She said it was obvious there was some kind of a gathering. And b- during this pouring rain, somebody released balloons up into the air into the pouring rain. Mm-hmm. And she called to tell me that the, that she now understood the pouring rain and the balloons multicolored and being released in front of her. Mm-hmm. She still didn't know what for, what the occasion was for, but it didn't matter. It was just all the different pieces of what I saw um, but that she called to tell me fast forward now to about a year later and she calls me I think it was I can't remember what the anniversary was of it was his birth or his passing his rebirth I'll call it um, I don't remember if it was a mother's day because she would sometimes she called at different times um, anyway she he said to her um, you're going to remarry and I didn't know she had divorced mm-hmm. and I he I said Oh, Joan, he says, you're going to remarry. Did you leave your husband, his dad? And she goes, yeah, I did. And I said, uh, he says, Mark's saying you're going to remarry and the person is going to have children and you're going to have children. And she said, I'm going to have my own children again or I'm 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 parenting his children. And Mark said, "Um, you're going to remarry. He'll have children. You're not going to have another child with him but you're going to parent his children and he's going to have step brother and sister and he's thrilled. And she said, okay. And then I said, um, something about there's going to be a purple motorcycle and she goes purple. And now she goes, what do you mean? And I said, I have no idea. I just see a purple motorcycle, but no, no idea of what kind It's just a Harley Davidson. Like I know nothing beyond Harley Davidson, <laughs> beyond Harley <laughs> Davidson. <laughs> I know nothing about motorcycles. And I said, and it's purple. I have no clue if they can be purple or I yeah. just zero knowledge and or less than. <laughs> Less than zero. So anyway, she said, well, this is really interesting. She said, um, um, I just went to his cousin's birthday party. And his cousin is now, I think she said four, four years old or three or four years old. And uh, he got a purple motorcycle for his birthday. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm dying laughing because 
I could have interpreted that as an adult motorcycle, and yet it was a plastic motorcycle for a child's birthday party. And Mark was trying to say that he went to this birthday party for his cousin and his cousin's three. And it's a whole year later, and he's still managing um, to keep in touch with his mother. That he's 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 giving her this message that he's showing up at his cousin's birthday party. Mm-hmm. And um, it turns out that she did end up remarrying, and he did have two children, a son and a daughter. And she felt good knowing that her that Mark was good with all of that. Mm-hmm. That she was parenting other kids. And I, this was a big issue for her because she said she felt blocked about marrying him and about being with him, living with him. She didn't even want to move in with him because she didn't want to dishonor Mark. She didn't want to parent other people's kids or, or stepchildren because her own had died. Yeah. And, and all of the conflicting feelings around that. And again, you've heard me say before, I'm not a therapist, so like I'm not doing that aspect. But just being able to give her that message that, He's happy for her, that he wants her to do this. Mm-hmm. Just and and just the fact that he also know that she, she knew that she was going to have another partner and these two children, and that he's still part of her life. And mm-hmm. he knew all of this before she even met. She even met him. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of comfort. Yeah, I think it can release a lot of stress and depression. I think of how many people are suffering from depression and not understanding that it's grief. Mm. Um, and that it's, it's, it's easy enough. I'll say easy enough. And, you know, people listening might go easy enough. I don't talk to dead people. Um, I just mean that it's easy enough to find a medium and, and, and to, to seek that where so many people I often hear, and I know you do too, where we hear from clients. Um, I'm here and, and I have to, I'm, I'm paying cash because I can't let my husband know I'm here. And uh, I, my, I, I can't tell anybody in my family or all my girlfriends make fun of me. I, I can't tell them that I'm seeing you because all my girlfriends think that this is so stupid. Mm-hmm. And, and so when we think that something is stupid and we make fun of somebody and we bully, that's the, all those are forms of bullying, by the way. Whether you're bullying your girlfriend because she's choosing to do something or your spouse telling your spouse you don't believe in it or you, won't, you don't want to pay for it or or, you know, you don't, you won't let them pay for their own session, um, that it's all bullying. And, and that in that bullying, um, that's withholding healing. And, and because of that withholding love and, a, and an opportunity to move forward. Mm-hmm. And then we're mad at them when they can't move forward, but we withhold the very way that they can get there. Mm-hmm. So it's all I call, well, you know, I call that stuff being backwards. Do you have any you want to share? Uh, having to do with losing children? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's the, not as many specifics. I've only seen this, uh, this mother and daughter a couple times. Uh, the daughter came to me first, I believe. She came for a personal session, and I channeled her brother who had passed. And she has other brothers that are still uh, here on Earth. So um, she was very receptive, very respectful of the process. Um, and he... He came through to talk about her life, 
her relationship that she was in. He talked about his brothers, but he also liked to tell them, uh, tell uh, his sister what he liked to do with each one of his siblings. Mm. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, it was really cute. And he talked about his mother's garden and that he liked to sit out and have a beer with her while she was gardening. Uh, which I found really cute, and she laughed, and uh, she like just laughed enjoying it, right? Yeah. Because uh, he died quite young, and he, I think he would be in his late 20s at this point. So, yeah. makes sense, right? He crack yeah. open a beer and let his mom do the gardening and just kind of chit-chat with her. Yeah. And it was, it was fun, because as I'm, as I'm channeling this, I'm kind of picturing Andrew and what he does when you're working around the house, you know? Yeah. And the type of interaction that you have with a mother and son. Anyway, uh, she had come a couple times, the sister, and uh, really, really enjoyed her sessions. And then, unbeknownst to me, uh, or to you, the mother showed up at a workshop, so a public event. Oh. And I had seen her, so pardon me, I had seen her once before, and the son did not come through. She had other, other um, family members come through in her session. And at the very end, you know, we check in with our clients. She, I asked her um, again what what she would like, and she withheld until the very last moment and said, "Well, I'm surprised my son didn't come through." Oh, I l- just love those people. That's sarcasm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, because it's your number one priority, and again, you withhold, right? So it's mm-hmm. another another form uh, they, of sabotage. Yeah, well, and they do the withholding to test us to see if we're gonna. Yeah. Like there's a whole universe of souls we're supposed to get. And I, yeah, and I think that people forget that their number one priority isn't necessarily the universe or your own soul's number one priority. Yeah. Um, and we, we're not in charge of that. So anyway, at the very end when she asked for her son, I had about five minutes left and I described his hair color. I described um, uh, what career he would have had. And she was like, nope, it's not him. You're wrong. You've, you've got nothing. And I said, okay, I apologize. I, I must not be making a good connection. Um, so I let that go. I didn't take back anything that I said. I just said, if that's not the case, then I don't know how to help you. Um, she came to a workshop after that, and you channeled her son. Mm. And you and I had not talked about this. And so you started describing his dark hair and that he was a pilot and... Uh, that his career that he would have had and she kept denying everything and I was sitting there putting my head down just smiling because it was really nice to hear you channel everything that I had channeled (laughs) uh unknowingly yeah and the and I I don't mean that I was happy that you were frustrated I was happy that there was someone um to back me up for lack of a better term yeah yeah and she kept saying no 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 and so we ended up um discussing with her that just because he hadn't made it past a certain age did not mean that we could not see the path he would have taken. And she didn't understand that, that his hair would have darkened over the years, that his interest in planes when he was young developed into a career as a pilot. There were so many things about progression in his life that ended up coming through and she couldn't put two and two together. And uh, the the point of, of my story is that two two members in the same family took took the messages so differently uh, that the mom was hanging on to her infant son, oh, to her child, okay, the young child, right? Whereas the sister of the family was looking at it, understanding that he would be this age, he would still be close in age. He's not a young boy, 
and wanted to treat him with the same respect and see him in the same light that she would the 20 year, this 20 some year old. Oh, I see. And how much easier it was to channel this young man. And I say young man on purpose when the sister came through with her intention to love him. Oh, I see. And to honor him where the mom, and I'm not blaming her, was still holding on to her grief of her yeah. infant child. Kelly, is this the one where his he had brothers that had the light hair when they were older and, or younger and their hair yes. all had darkened? And yes. that's how the daughter or his sister said, yeah, but his hair would have darkened like his brothers. Yes. All of them did. Yep. Oh, I see. So the the his sister was able to place things because... Like you say, she could see him growing because she saw her brothers growing. Yes. So he had the lighter hair when he was a kid, like they all did. Yeah. They all, their hair darkened to dark brown. And so and she the, could understand that his would have too then. But not the mom. Oh, okay. And so after this public session where she, she had come alone, she had not come with her daughter. Okay. Um, she was still struggling, still wasn't willing to accept the messages that were coming through, which is fine. Yeah. We can't control that. Yeah. Later on. She came in for a session with her daughter and I had not put two and two together at this point. Um, so they came in and I went, Oh, oh my God. Okay. So I'm, I'm understanding that Mm -hmm. the male belongs to both of them. And so yet again, the messages come through about, uh, how he's still involved in all of his siblings lives. Mm -hmm. Um, he told the mom, you're still stuck in your grief about how young I am. You need to, you need to move past it. Mm. And he kept telling me that there was something in the home. That was not allowing her to do that. And she had kept a shrine for him of oh. all of his younger photos. She had had, um, she had sketches done of all of her children at the current age. Yeah. And he said, he made some comment about, I don't belong on the wall like that. Oh, he wanted the young man, yeah. his young man image to be on the wall with his siblings, oh, but not wow. his infant self yeah. because it was holding her in that place. That she and had it, lost a baby. And it also wasn't allowing his brothers, because the sister had done her work and kind of moved through it, yeah. um, based on you know her own belief system, it wasn't allowing the rest of them to understand that he had moved forward as well. Okay. Yeah. I thought I thought it was really interesting. And and I will say at the same time, heartbreaking. Yeah. Oh, because you for can, sure. You're talking about people withholding and not letting people move forward, whether it's in a really, uh, yeah. any kind of relationship, really. Um, so watching one family where the siblings have moved, I won't say moved on, but moved forward with their brother, knowing that he was still close in age uh, and would be doing similar things to them, right? Mm-hmm. And the mom was the one who, who could not move forward. Mm-hmm. And so she always thought of him as small or little or helpless. And he was trying to say, no, I'm a young man. Look what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And not only look what I'm doing with you and watching <clears throat> you do your daily activities, but this is what I'm doing and learning on the other side. I find it really neat when um, they, they explain what they're doing now. And, and it's like, oh, well, you want to know what I'm doing now. So here it is. I'm going to, I'm going into university with this brother. I'm going to this job, you know, cause this brother is a marine biologist and he's working on the East coast. He's in the water. This, this one over here is a welder and how they can explain what their family members are doing currently, even though they died 20 years ago. Mm Um, to let pe- let them know that they're still a part of their lives, yeah. and and I, I that to me is 
there's just something that's so reassuring about knowing that they're still busy with us, that they're still engaged. Mm -hmm. And I say engaged because it really is an action verb. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, not, it's not passive. And I wanted to add something to what you were saying. Is that okay? Oh, okay. I just, <laughs> just, I realized I might've interrupted you and I just no. was checking in. No. Um, I, I remember one older man coming in. He was probably like in his sixties or seventies and he was, he was showing his wife and his daughter uh, wanted proof. So he would describe his body when he was dying. Oh, okay. You need to clarify to everyone listening that when you say someone came in, Oh, <laughs> whether they're, they're alive, alive or, dead. or dead. Oh yeah. Okay. That's true. Constantly got to clarify alive and dead, even in the grocery store. <laughs> um, well, no, it's, you know, it's, I know that's true. Um, Okay, so he, his spirit came in, the man's spirit, he's the one that's passed. His wife and daughter are alive, and they're the clients wanting me to prove that he's there. So he, he says to me all kinds of things about his personality. That's the thing that I like the most is when they describe personality, because it's harder to get than it is to say brown hair. Although, you know, I don't think that's true. Maybe not because, you know, some mediums are not clairvoyant. We use all six gifts. So it, when you use all six, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, feeling, inner knowing, you get to pick and choose and you have to use the different senses to relay the messages. But what he did was he would, he would show me his body when he was dying. So he was very thin. He had lost a lot of, a lot, a lot of weight, but you don't know that at that point, you just see thin body. Um, he had grown facial hair, but he had a bald head. Then he, and you know, he had had problems, I think with his toenails, you know, like fungus. So like very specific things, right? Then he shows me his body when he's like in his fifties, when it's healthier, but he's overweight at this point. So it's a very different body and he's got more hair and it's darker. It's like a reddish color. And then he shows me his body when he's in his twenties and he's quite slim. And what he looks like at, the, at this size and that, you know, he'd had a skin cancer and he'd had to have a spot removed. Um, and then he shows me his body when he was five years old. So I, I think it's just important for people to hear that when you've passed over, you can go get your body. There is no body that exists in the spirit world. It's energy. But in order for us as mediums as, uh, to, uh, or channelers to be able to relay the messages and give proof, because that's, you know, everybody wants proof, including us, that we have choices to get different bodies at different ages. Now, I run the risk, <laughs> having said that, to have people come in now and say, well, tell me what their body looked like when they were four. Yeah, thank you for that. 15, 23, 33. Like, it's... <laughs> It's got to be done respectfully is what I'm saying. And it's not. For a lot of people, it's not. They don't get it. Well, I think, I think uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, when people, when those who have passed come through to do that, mm -hmm. it's for a reason. Mm -hmm. It's usually to show drastic change. <clears throat> it's like, and I've had clients, I've said, well, how come I see them so, so uh, bloated and so obese? Well, this is what happened. Her organs shut down and she ended up bloating before she passed, but she was mm -hmm. actually a, re a really thin woman. Uh, throughout the rest of her life, it's, they usually illustrate <clears throat> those things to to show the drastic changes that they went through in their life. Yeah, medical reasons, yeah. Um, but an identifying mm -hmm. thing. Or, you know, if you ever passed, I'm sure you'd come through with platinum blonde. 
to to show the time that you had terribly platinum blonde hair terribly platinum terrible do you not remember that oh like as a joke oh yes when the hairdresser was tried to cover up all the red well it was they they made a mistake and they colored my hair my hair is dark brown but they colored it red and then it was orange and really orange and then like yellow but like orangey yellow yeah i remember i walked through the mall with you (laughs) (laughs) that was rough Yes, I think my hair was colored three times in one day. Oh, that was crazy. Anyway, yes. To to show something <laughs> funny or to show something yeah. significant, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, do you have more stories? I do. How's the timing? Uh, I think we're okay. Yeah, we'll go over a little bit more. Okay. Um, this young, this woman came in. Her, her, her. Um, Dead or alive? Alive. As a client, she came through because she wanted to connect to someone who'd crossed. And I asked her if it was her son. She said yes. And I said he'd been he'd been murdered, been murdered, murdered, murdered. And she cried. The reason she came was because she suspected murder. Right. So usually it's a question that they don't want to yeah. ask. They're afraid to ask. Was it actually a suicide or was it murder? Well, his was murder. No, no, I know. I'm just saying that generally. Yes, it can be. But this was murder or accident because there were so many witnesses. Mm -hmm. And it was an outright murder and everybody there knew it, but it was staged as an accident. And when the police arrived, nobody was, um, everybody was collaborating the accident. And because it was linked to another murder, Everyone was afraid <clears throat> um, of the consequences. So this went down as an accident. And the first murder is unsolved. The body's not found. So um, somebody might say, well, if the body's not found, you still don't know if it's a murder. Factually, they're right. But in terms of being a medium, I know. So time will tell once again. So she came in. And asked what had happened, and I described the accident slash murder, and it was correct. Um, So, the purpose of her visit was to grieve. The purpose of her visit was for her to get what she needed, because the police were never going to be able to give it to her thus far. And it could be 10 years, it could be 50 years, it could be 60 years down the road that this mom might actually get some affirmation from human beings other than me, I'll say in different professions, where this may come to light and it may never in her life. So the only thing that she may ever get to understand that her, which she believes to be true, um, what happened was before her son went to this event, uh, with the with his friends, he had told her information about someone else's murder. He had told her what he knew, and that he was afraid for his own life around certain people, and where he was going was going to be possibly around these people, but that there would be lots of other people present. So he felt that there that there would be some safety, not realizing that no, in fact, the person that was going to create the accident slash murder um didn't care 
and was so empowered by getting away with one murder that he felt he could get away with a second. And thus far, he's gotten away with two. He has. And I say thus far simply because that is what it is right now. And, you know, what will be will be. Um, but that how she needed to hear um, and know from her son exactly what happened. That he had been right about what he had said. That she needs to be careful not to pursue this with the police for her own safety. Um, and that it may not be where she goes into a police department and says, this is what a medium told me. She may make the choice to never repeat what a medium told her and to simply grieve um, her son's passing, but to have her own proof in her own way and to connect with him that he's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes there just isn't a happy ending. Mm -hmm. and and you and I both know that that even when they've crossed over that they she he could now come through and say mom um, I know you're wearing my sweater I know that you wear the red one I know you wear the the, the ball cap um, you know with the Miami U I know that you wear that that you are doing th this I know that you have gone to the police and that you have tried you need to not try you need to keep yourself safe mm -hmm. um, or that, you know, don't not to bring in all of his friends and ask questions because it puts their lives in jeopardy, too. Mm -hmm. um, and that this this has to, can end in some way. And, you know, police listening to this might think, oh, great. Um, but it's true. It's true. And we know and, it's corrupt. Yes. And we know the police can be as well. Yeah. And we know that that there are different groups in society that infiltrate police systems mm -hmm. and that sometimes all that mom needed was not to solve a crime. And maybe the perpetrators are good to hear that too. Good. Everybody has shut up. Um, I'm not saying what's right or wrong here. Mm -hmm. I'm saying that this is a relationship between a mom and her son. And, and that she our, gets to choose. Yeah. And that she gets to grieve. And that she gets to talk to her son and know that he's okay. And mm -hmm. that is really the bottom line. It's not about you and I running to a police department and solving something. It's not about being in the media and, and becoming well-known to do something like this, an ego, it has to do with her and her son mm -hmm. and what they what she now needs mm -hmm. to be able to live her life and being able to talk to her and her son between the two of them and say, what do you need? So if she says, I need to know that my son's around me. And he says, okay, mom, um, I'm going to give you the smell of my cologne that when she smells his cologne standing in an elevator in the middle of a building or something where there's no one around, she knows that he's around. Mm -hmm. That if he says he's going to show up and be, I don't know, a woodpecker, that uh, when she sees the woodpecker, that she just feels connected to him. Mm -hmm. But that that's personal. That if somebody out there says, well, that's bullshit, you're not a woodpecker, who cares? Who cares? It, it, people can say what they want. As long as she believes that and it's between her and her son and they figure that out together and she feels love, she feels peace. That's her business. No one else's. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Another story. No, I'm just saying we've had four beautiful ones so far this morning. Um, of picking where love is mo the most important thing. 
um, for, for, and actually we've had a lot of sons come through today, if anybody's mm-hmm. listening. Yeah. Um, and noticing that we've had actually all, all sons that came through to let their moms know in different ways um, about love and, and uh, that they're okay. And that still, when they pass over, you still can speak to them, connect to them, uh, find ways to communicate, um, find ways to find peace um, that are also unique and um, valuable to that mom. And we, I picked moms because it just happens to be that I see a lot more moms than dads. And um, that sometimes the moms tape record the sessions and bring them home for the dads. Yeah. Um, and I hope that our society changes someday in that uh, more dads are permitted to grieve and that they're allowed to find their tools to do it too. Not to say that we haven't had dads. Maybe we can have a show sometime on where the dads came in. But I think, and there certainly are dads that have shown up, um, but I find it alarming mm-hmm. um, that I would say 90% are moms and 10% are dads. And so for me, if there are moms out there listening to this show that the, that um, and they know a dad, maybe it's not their own husband, but their brother or a coworker or a neighbor that maybe they can um, put that bridge up that they can offer them. You know, did you hear a podcast? Did you, you know, there's, they talk a lot about the moms bear, bear with it, but there are messages for dads too. And I just think about how many dads suffer because they um, are afraid of being ridiculed maybe more than women. Well, and I think too, that whole old stereotype, which is still carrying on about men needing to be the rock right yeah what is that i i, I like you know well, i've just... got a couple special terms for it but um oh, no cool. no what? i just meant like rude oh. um that it's just bs oh that we're not, yeah none of us are supposed to be rocks all of the time right yeah um and that that's just a an idea that holds us in our in our grief in our anxiety in our depression yeah i like i think of andrew as being one of my rocks and andrew cries mm-hmm. he cries He's extremely sensitive. And expressive. And he's very expressive. He has anxiety and he discusses his anxiety. All his friends know he's had anxiety. Mm-hmm. He's, and I still think of him as my, one of my biggest rocks. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I know that he intensely feels mm-hmm. and shares what he feels and doesn't hide it. Mm-hmm. And that to me is the best kind of a rock. So I don't know what people think a rock is. If they think a rock is somebody who withholds, then that's painful. Mm-hmm. So that's not a rock to me. No, because you're asking that person to withhold. Yeah, that doesn't make them a rock. Somebody who can plow through something with no feelings to me doesn't make them a rock. <laughs> it makes them the exact opposite. It makes them weak. It makes them need help. Mm-hmm. They need help more than anybody. Well, I think uh, if I can say this in a, in a kind way, it makes them scary. Yeah. Because it means they're unstable. Yes. And, and when, you don't know when that's going to blow up. Right. And so you're calling them a rock, putting more and more stress, more and more pressure, more and more anxiety on them, making them withhold more, contain more, and like you say, ready to explode. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I, you know, I think quite often that we have to question what we what we think and what we believe of something or somebody. So if somebody is considered the rock because they're not showing emotion or because they're the decision maker 
they, you might find out later that they had no idea what decisions to make, that they were forced into it, that they felt resentful and angry about it. But as long as they're not expressing resentment or anger or confusion, mm -hmm. that they're still a rock. Yeah. Um, so I'm just, yeah, uh, I'm hoping that both men and women are okay to, to, to reach out and find some kind of help. Mm -hmm. without people making fun of them when they go out for dinner and saying, oh, they, you, did you, they saw a medium. Oh, I don't or believe. Or whatever alternative health you're yeah. seeking. Yeah, because I think, too, some people will say that they saw a psychiatrist or a therapist, and people make fun of that, too. Yep. You saw a quack. I still think about how many people who, a quack, somebody with, like, eight years of university or nine years, well-educated and dedicated to helping people heal, being referred to as a quack. And I think of a lot of psychiatrists who refer to us as quacks, mm -hmm. who who just put the label on the next person. Um, uh, but if we could just stop doing it all together. I prefer witch. <laughs> <laughs> I we wear my witch hat proud. We both know that. <laughs> <laughs> Having been in can Canadian Tire the other day looking at an orange one and, and a purple one for Halloween. Yeah. Uh, um. Anyway, it's... Uh, thank you, Kelly. I found this show hard to do, or, or, or this this talk I'll say this podcast hard to do, um, because it always it it it's so close to home, but it's okay because I when you feel all of the emotions when I think of Mark and Joan again, um, not their real names of course I miss them, mm -hmm. and um, I I look forward to every time she phones and it's been about a year so I don't don't know if we're due. Or if she's just healed a little bit more and it might be five years or it could be that she's good for the rest of her life or, yeah. you know, it's all good. You know, I remember one person saying, it was a therapist saying, oh, I, I would never refer to you ever because, oh, thank you. <clears throat> yeah, because uh, people can get addicted to that. And I remembered looking at the therapist saying, well, do you not have clients that come regularly? Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah. Do you have clients that you see like year after year? Yeah, I do. Do you not call that addicted? <laughs> like, yeah, I I've just... got life coaching clients who are addicted to recovery. Yes. How about, okay, I'm addicted to my chiropractor. Yeah. Um, I'm also, like, I'm addicted to my hairstylist because, like, I get my hair colored because mm -hmm. I'm gray, so I've gone to blonde. So they're, they're, they're all, I'm willing to say that there are addictions, but that doesn't mean that I'm Two professionals. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't make me unhealthy. Mm -hmm. um, mind you, if the hair coloring is going into my skin and there is some unhealthiness with a certain brand, think we're digressing. then we could be, but I'm just saying there are, there's validity to some types, but when you're seeking help, I would say seeing my chiropractor does not make me unhealthy or well, on the contrary. Um, Greg makes me quite healthy mm -hmm. and I am extremely appreciative of him and his expertise. So anyway, it's just, uh. It's, it's a beautiful way to help and to be part of other people's families mm -hmm. for, the, for the short hour or half hour or whatever they give us to be able to help them move forward. Are we done? Yeah, I think that was good. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I love you. I love you too. Would you like to thank everyone? Or? Yeah, thank you for listening this morning. Uh, we hope you got something out of this, whether it was for yourself or a man in your life or just somebody else that's grieving and a different way to approach them, uh, a different way to think about it and to step outside of a box maybe um, that you've had in the past. If you have questions, if you want to share something, 
um, Kelly and I invite you to do so. This is, even though we tape these shows to be aired every Saturday morning, um, we, we, it's still interactive that we will take your email and um, incorporate it into a show, which is what we do all the time. We don't always say this is a response from an email inquiry, but we just make every one of them another show um, because you've asked us to and asked us to share something that we that maybe we know about. Um, our email is info at bysarlo.com. And uh, we thank you very much for choosing to spend some time with us today.